For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel. This is John chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you please join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you for your word this night. We pray that you would fill and nourish us by it, especially as we think about this word of grace. Lord, we thank you for the free gift which you have earned on our behalf, which you have given without any merit of our own. And we rejoice, Lord, that that gift is ours now and eternally. We pray, Lord, that you be glorified. We pray, Lord, that you speak to us. We pray in the name of Jesus, the word made flesh. Amen. First of all, good evening. Glad the Lord has brought you here today and glad that we have the opportunity today to focus on grace. And, and we think about that, it is the fundamental thing of the Christian church, right? It is that which makes us unique. Grace is the thing that we do. That, that's our sweet spot. That is why we exist. It's all about grace. And so it's important that we are very clear about what grace is and what grace is not. It's important that we are very clear in our understanding of what grace is. And when we think about our own understanding of grace, we know that oftentimes people will say things around us that sound like grace and therefore sound good. And people will say things around us that seem like grace and therefore we might be tempted to believe them. But those things are not grace. We, we have to determine and discern what actually is grace versus grace plus something else because grace has no plus. It's simply what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And so tonight I wanna, I wanna look at two stories that are probably familiar to most of you. I wanna look at two stories from the Bible, but I wanna look at each of those stories from a little bit different perspective so that we can see what grace is and what it is not. And most importantly, that we can remember these two fundamental truths about Christianity. First and foremost, that grace is what God has done for you in Christ Jesus. And second, that grace is immensely more than you could imagine it to be. Don't you remember those two things? Grace is what God has done for you in Christ Jesus. And the second thing, that grace is immensely more than you can imagine it to be. So let's turn to the first story. The first story is from Matthew chapter 19. It's the story of the rich young man, or sometimes called the rich young ruler. Again, a story that's pretty familiar to many of you, I'm sure. And the rich young ruler, the rich young man, comes to Jesus in Matthew chapter 19, and he comes with a, with a character, with a persona that at first is somewhat admirable, because it seems that he's heard about Jesus, and he's heard about the things that Jesus does and the things that Jesus offers. He knows that Jesus is a good teacher. He knows that Jesus is speaking differently than others have, and he knows that Jesus is talking about eternal life. He wants a piece of that eternity. So he comes boldly, not under cover of darkness. He comes in a straightforward manner, right up to the teacher, speaks directly to him, not in a way that is somehow undermining what Jesus might do. There's a certain character about him that we're first drawn to. And he says this to Jesus. 
Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And immediately we look at the question and, and we have some, some hindsight that benefits us. And so we can look at it and go, boy, what kind of a question is that? But I, I think it's actually a valid question. Jesus, I've heard what you say about eternal life and I want a piece of that. So how do I get it? What do I have to do? Remember, the title tells us right away with the end of the story we'll share that he is rich. He's a man who has means. And we don't know if he inherited those means or if he worked for them, but he's a man of means. And so he says, look, if it's possible that I can purchase it, I'll do it. Just tell me what's necessary. I want a piece of eternal life. Jesus, what must I do? Jesus says this, keep the commandments. Again, the rich young man doesn't back down the commandments. And you kind of picture him saying, there's a lot of commandments. In fact, this is true. In the Old Testament, there are 613 commandments. And so he says to him, the commandments mean just the big ones or the whole thing? And Jesus says, well, let's, let's start with the biggies. And what I find interesting is that Jesus, as he's teaching this rich young man, he, he gives the commandments out of order, right? He tells him, I want you to follow five, six, seven, eight, four, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? It almost seems like Jesus doesn't know the commandments, but I think there's something else going on. I think he's speaking directly to the heart of this young man. Don't murder, no problem. Don't commit adultery, I haven't. Don't steal, I'm good. Don't bear false witness. Well, you mean all false witness? Honor your father and mother. And by the way, the summary of all these things, are you loving your neighbor as much as you love yourself? And then his answer, done. I've kept all of these since I was a boy. And again, notice that Jesus doesn't immediately take it away. He, Jesus doesn't argue with him and say, well, there are a couple of times we could talk about here, buddy, couldn't we? Instead, he grants him that. Okay, so you've, you've kept these commandments. You've done this. Now Jesus ups the ante a little bit more. Go and sell everything you have. All of it. Give it to the poor. Then come and follow me and you'll inherit eternal life. Now, now, that's an interesting bargain that Jesus makes, isn't it? An interesting bargain to give up everything that he has here on earth to receive the lasting treasure of paradise. It's, it's an interesting bargain that Jesus is making with him. If you want to do this, buddy, this is what it's going to take. When he said keep the commandments, five, six, seven, eight, four, love your neighbor as yourself, done. Gladly. But now I want you to give up everything you have. And this is what the text tells us. He went away sad because he had much. Jesus made him an offer. Jesus answered the question, the question that he had. He, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so Jesus told him, surrender everything and turn to me and you will have lasting treasure in heaven. Surrender it all. Empty yourself completely and come to me and this will be your reward. And he couldn't do it. And brothers and sisters, this, this is not 
a story about grace. Because grace plus anything is not grace. This is not a story about grace. This is the opposite. This is a story about what it would be like to try to earn your own salvation. What it would be like for you to try to curry God's favor on your own, to get this lasting treasure of paradise and eternal life all on your own. This is what it would be like. This is not grace. On the contrary, this is God saying, if you want to try to do it your way, then this is what it looks like. If you want a piece of this, if you, want, if you want to get in on the action, you want to work toward it or buy it, this is what it's going to take. And we can do the salvation thing your way if you want. But this is what it's like. But the cost is too high. And Jesus could have continued to up the ante. That's not grace. And I want you to remember that. That's not grace. And you, and you would probably, hearing this story, say, who would want it this way, right? Who, who would ever say, I, I want it to be like this? Who would ever say, I want to try to earn grace in this way? In, in theory, no one. But in practice, many, many try to add things to grace Many try to put things there and tell you that you have to do something in order for it to happen. It, it happens all the time as people say things that sound like grace and believe things that seem like grace and tell you you're probably just not doing enough if you haven't experienced it yet. And so you need to work just a little bit harder. You need to keep going because if you want to save yourself, nobody really cares how hard the work is. You got to add something to it. God's offered you this free gift in Jesus, but you still, have to, you still have to be able to pinpoint the time when you made a decision for Jesus and when you surrendered your entire life to him. It sounds an awful lot like salvation your way. The time when, when Jesus was giving you his free gift of forgiveness, but somebody told you, yeah, but you gotta make it right first. Nothing's that easy. You've got to surrender something of your own. You, you have to forgive someone else and you have to make sure that all is right between you and everybody else before you could truly experience this gift. Brothers and sisters, that's not grace. Grace is entirely the work of Jesus for you. That's grace. And we know this to be true. We know it from things like Ephesians chapter two that teach us that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. And Pastor Dan was always so good about this, wasn't he? When he would talk about what it means to be a dead person because he had experienced that. And as he would talk about that, he would say, when someone is dead, what can they do to help themselves? And we would all answer, nothing. Pastor Dan would say, what's the answer? Nothing. A dead person can do nothing. And that's why the scriptures tell us we are dead in our trespasses and sins. We can do nothing. And so grace plus anything isn't grace. Anything that you must do is not grace. Grace is what Jesus Christ has done for you. So let's turn to our second story, one that's even more familiar than the first one. From Luke chapter 25, you, you probably know this story well. We call it the story of the prodigal son. You remember the story, right? Another rich young guy, except this one who gets the true inheritance from his father by telling his father he wishes he were dead. 
can I just have my half of the inheritance now so I can get on with my life? And he takes all that he inherits from his father, half the wealth, and he goes and he squanders it in wild living, as it says. He goes off to a foreign country where he can't find enough parties and he can't pay enough bills. And he squanders it all. And then there's this detail in Luke 25, this detail that Jesus gives in the story, because remember, it's Jesus telling the story. He says there was a severe famine in the land, and he had nothing. He had nothing and no one. And as he was feeding pigs, a terrible job for a good Israelite man, he began to remember who his father was. And he started to concoct a speech in his mind. I'll go back to my dad and I'll say, Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired help because he knew who his father was. So with the last bit of dignity gone, he headed out for his dad. And the detail of the story that's so beautiful, the one that so many of us turn to over and over again, it says this, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And you remember what happened. His father took up his robe and ran toward the sun. Getting all the way to the sun, the sun starts to sputter out this confession, the speech that he had rehearsed in his head over and over again, but he doesn't even finish it. He never even gets to the part about being a servant before the father embraces the son and takes him back receives him in his love and in his care. And as you think about that story, ask yourself, what did the son do to earn the embrace of his father? And don't you dare say he started on the journey. If you were to ask the man why he started on that journey, I think this is what he would tell you. I knew who my father was. And you see, brothers and sisters, in that embrace, what did the son receive? The love that he had lost, the togetherness that had been, from which he had been separated, he now had everything. And why? Because the father had been looking for him. Because the father was desperate to have him back. Because the father loved him so much. That's grace. That's grace. And when you contrast it with the other story, you understand the difference. You see it. The other story was God saying, if you want, we can do it your way. You can try to buy it. You can try to participate in it. If you want, it's exhausting and never ending. You'll never get it done or we can do it my way. My way is much better for you. Because God's way is the way of Jesus taking our shame and burden upon himself. Jesus' way is the way of the cross where he has suffered for us and taken our sins, where he has given us forgiveness and in return given us everlasting life. My way, Jesus says, my way is better for you. This is grace. No yeah buts. No, I've got to add something to it. Nothing. Just grace. What God has done to receive you as his child. What God has done to embrace you fully. And once you've experienced it, you understand. Grace is all God's 
work. But I want to spend just a minute with the other part, the other thing that I said I wanted you to remember, which is this, that grace is a gift which is immensely more than we can even imagine it to be, because so often we underbelieve. And so I want to go back to that story about the rich young man. Sell all of your possessions, Jesus said. Nope, I can't do that, he told Jesus. And he went away sad. He didn't trust that he, what he would get in exchange would be worth it. He didn't trust that eternity was worth what he was going to lay out to get it. He didn't believe that the eternal gift, the eternal treasure, was worth surrendering what he had here on earth. Now, we all know this week, tomorrow, or Monday, is, is Halloween. And, and kids are amazing, aren't they? If, if I were to give a kid a piece of candy... And I were to say to him, I'll give you this dollar for that piece of candy. Most kids would go, well, I want the candy. <laughs> now, I'm assuming if I made the same bargain with most of you, if I gave you a little piece of candy, so I'll give you a dollar for it, you'd be like, fine, I'll take the dollar, take the candy. Right? There's a delayed gratification thing here. There's a maturity thing here where you realize that one dollar can buy you more pieces of candy. You understand that the exchange is worth it. So often people underbelieve about what God has promised, what grace is. They think about heaven as just uh, fat kids on, with strumming harps sitting on clouds. They think of heaven as just these, these gates that sit ethereally in heaven that they're going to somehow prance through someday. And it sounds awfully boring to most of us. And most of us, most of us, like the rich young ruler, say, I, I'm not sure I have anything that I'd give in exchange for that. It isn't worth everything. But I'm going to say it again, brothers and sisters. That's not grace. Grace is immensely more than you can imagine. And so I want to go back to the other story, the story of the prodigal son. And I want you to place yourself once again in the skin of that son, being embraced by his father, having been so far off, and now once again being received as a child, now once again being enveloped in love, now once again being together, being called a son. In that moment, what do you think that son would have given for that embrace? I think the answer is everything. And yet, what did he have to offer? And the answer is nothing. And yet he received it. He received it because the Father is so loving. He received it because it was exactly what he desired and longed for. He received it because that was the free gift of grace, and that is how the Father loves. Brothers and sisters, this is how the Father loves. This is grace. This is the grace that you receive. That you don't earn it. That you don't pay for it. That you simply get it that it is laid on you because Jesus has paid the price, that it isn't something that you would go, well, I'm not sure it's really that interesting, but it's immensely more than you could imagine, the eternal love of the Father and of knowing who you are, that you are a loved child of God. And so brothers and sisters, this is the last thing for you to know tonight. Grace is yours.
you are loved completely. Nothing and no one has separated you from God because Jesus Christ has called you in. He has earned it. He has paid the price so that you can live in a love which is immensely more than you can imagine. And brothers and sisters, that's grace. For the glory of our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.